Hello, everybody. This is the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Vern Value. And I'm Val Hughes. Get it. Yeah, got it. Well, uh, I don't know if our listeners get it. <laughs> we are, if you're listening in for the first time this week, we are Wall Street professionals uh, that have disguised our voices and taken on secret identities uh, because our bosses wouldn't care for uh, us going public with our unvarnished views on uh, Value Line's um, weekly stock picks. This they week wouldn't at all. This week they're gonna, we're going to uh, review the June 2nd edition of the Value Line Investment Survey. Um, you know, every week we uh, we take a look at what they're recommending, and uh, sometimes we like some of the things they do, but uh, more often uh, we uncover some gems that Value Line's missing, and we try to keep you out of some value traps or other things that uh, I like might go looking wrong. at the threes and fours. Uh, you can uh, re read more about our secret identities at our uh, website at www.thevalueguys.com. The value guys, the, the is the the is in there, sort of like the meaning of is, right? Uh, dot com, uh, where we will, uh, you know, warn you as we do every week that we might own these stocks or have other nefarious invested interests in, uh, um, in them. But uh, we're not, so we're not responsible for not anything responsible. you might decide. Entertainment to do. only. Uh, That's what this, this is, is all about. This is just our best shot. Have a at couple what of laughs. Think, uh, pull up a good. chair. You know, read um, Value Line and, and laugh along. You and know? Uh, you know, we know you love Value Line as we do. I mean, where else can you get on one page? Most of everything you need to know, what we try to do every week is bring you the institutional Wall Street perspective. Um, this week, uh, I'm going to visit the uh, world of low PE multiples uh, and take a tour through the motor vehicle industry. And along the way, we're going to straighten out some disinformation and some com communi uh, communication problems, some confusion between uh, two of the uh, value line analysts. Uh, call it a public service announcement, if you will. Um, it's nice of you. We are going to come up with a new idea. We're going to revisit an old one. But uh, before we do that, I'm first I'm going to turn it over to my uh, my brother in banditry, ah, Val Thank you. Hughes. Thank you very much. This is Val. And uh, What do you got? Well, you know, this week's an interesting week. They do a lot on the precision instrument industry. And, of course, technology is going to lead us all into the promise. What is that, promise tools ground. of torture or something? No, precision I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, you have to go through these things. They're all Sounds different. Like and then electric utilities, which, you know, we did the West. This is the East, and so we're not going to revisit that. And then medical supplies, which, uh, you know, demographics is one of our favorite uh, sort of anchors on ideas. And medical supplies, uh, you know, that's got to kind of a demographic tilt to it. Going to so. need more medical, going to need more supplies. Yeah, I think so. So I just I just started paging through here, and uh, the first thing I came to, you know, usually I'm looking among the threes and fours. Uh, usually the fives are really fives, but uh, sometimes they miss some things. In the th but this week, one of the first things I came to was Toro under their uh, home appliance industry, page 122. These other things, you know, uh, Whirlpool, uh, et cetera, you know, I, I just took a pass. But Toro has some demographics working for it as well. Actually, Value Line rates it too. I don't often agree with them, but I do this week. Toro has a great brand, which I like. The returns are phenomenal. They got returns on capital in the upper teens, uh, and Value Line predicts 20% next year, which is terrific for a, what should be a commodity. But, you know, these guys own uh, the Toro name, of course, which you know, and is a premium product. They also own Lawn Boy. And uh, and between those two brands, I think they're approaching something of 50% of the market, which gives you a little bit of pricing. I think there's oligopolistic. You know, help me out here. Uh, it's an oligopoly, everybody. Well, and, yeah, uh, that said, I think Toro is one of the few players in the industry that actually makes a decent return. Well, uh, and I think there's pricing that no one else wants to lower. They've got costs lower than everybody else. 
and brand name that uh, has more visibility and it helps them out. Now it's not super cheap, but it's trading an 11% discount to the S&P. Uh, and they've had two down years on cash flow in the last 20, or however many value line goes back. Uh, the demographics that work for you here are the demographics of an aging population. Like, uh, well, what? Uh, people stop mowing their lawns. Well, not really. They have more time to mow their lawns. They get more into gardening. Gardening is actually the number one hobby among retirees. And, of course, uh, it's got the, the three Gs, you know, going for it. The three Gs? The three Gs. You got golf. Yeah. gardening, yeah. and grilling out where you want to – maybe you don't need one for that. But anyway well, – I don't want to be standing in no, tall grass. I like looking out. at a nice I'll lawn. I'll tell you that for sure. Anyway, uh, so, you know, and, and they've got a huge business with golf courses and institutional. So I don't want to spend any more time on this, but Toro, you know, you could nibble at that. Then I came to page 143. I'd be careful. The, the chatter on uh, the street is that uh, the season's been pretty weak so far at the retail level. So I'm not a seasonal buyer. I think this thing's a great brand. Now, the chart looks... It's not a great chart in terms of it just goes straight up, but it's at a market discount. Uh, yeah, pick your spots. If somebody knows how to guide you through a, the, you know, when to buy it, you can pick a spot. But that looks like a terrific company. Uh, Mettler Toledo, page uh, 143. I don't just know anything you about this. what the this. chatter is. I don't even know the chatter on that. I'm just reading the value That's line. why I spoke up. Uh, where's the chatter from? Who's got chatter on the Toro? Street. The street. The okay. street. Okay. Well, I haven't heard any chatter, but uh, I see a lot of lawns and a lot of golf course. Um, page 143, Mettler Toledo, ticker MTD. Now, this thing, I don't know anything about. It's a little more expensive than I like. I'm just going to spend a minute on it. 11% premium to the S&P, but it appears that this is a brand people like. What do they make? They make the scales with that nice brand Toledo, and they weigh things at the butcher and all that. I'm, but, but that's not all that they do. They have a big industrial business that weighs things out in bigger quantities with, uh, you know, bigger clients. Industrial size quantities. Industrial, right. <laughs> and I guess they must be very good at it because sales keep going up every freaking year, and they've got margins going up every year. So you first think, isn't weighing stuff kind of a commodity? It's like, hey, buddy, can you weigh this? Doesn't everybody know? Maybe. But we're weighing more and more challenging <laughs> I things. I don't know, but uh, they seem Maybe to be... things with special slings and I, uh, I can only imagine the Rube Goldberg to... devices that they must have, but they're earning a 16, 17 percent. Well, when you drive down the highway, you go by these uh, things off to the side, looks like a rest area, all the trucks are lined up, yeah. and it says scales. Yeah. They're weighing entire trucks. Where do you buy those things? Anyway? I, Mettler Toledo, uh, I guess. So I think they do more than that. But they, but the point is, uh, they're selling a lot of this stuff. And uh, sales, cash flow going up. They sell at about 12 or 14 times cash flow. But the returns are decent. Uh, not great. I'm just, you know, I'm a, Val is a sucker for brands. I like their little Toledo brand. It's not too expensive. I just take a look at that. Okay, now I come to something I really want to talk about, the medical supplies industry. Uh, you know, favorable demographics, wind at your back, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Value Line doesn't like this area. Uh, there's a malaise, evidently, which actually would be good for the industry if there were a big malaise. But, uh, and, and, you know, what's happening is a competitive bidding is coming to Medicare, which, you know, there's other industries that have competitive bidding, and some of them seem just fine. So I'm not sure that that alone is a problem. 
it's a problem for some, and with uh, health care costs escalating and getting out of control. Everybody thinks health care costs are out of control. That's because nobody can take control. It's one of the few areas of the economy that uh, consumers have no opportunity to shop on the basis of quality or price, which is oftentimes the two drivers of making an industry more competitive with better quality and better price. Well, it's a, it's a, a system that is uh, direct evidence that we can all look at of the superiority of Russian central planning of health care. Uh, it's a disaster. And, uh, I mean, where's the Politburo? Let's you know, get them out here and uh, you know, show trials, if nothing else. I do think that the trend toward competitive bidding, I also saw recently that Medicare is going to print a list, try to print a list of, uh, of pricing of what they pay for different procedures so consumers can at least start to ask the question of their doctors, how much will this thing cost and maybe shop around? And as soon as you get shopping around, Everything's going to get in con into control here. In the meantime, it seems out of control. But we're drawn to the demographics, and uh, I uh, I took a look through here. The you know the first thing that came to my attention here is uh, now this is typically a very high multiple, high return, high multiple, high growth rate sector, right? Uh, for the things that are working, for the it can be. <laughs> <laughs> well, my first one is Bausch & Laum, which is uh, Bausch & Laum, which is uh, none of those things. Ooh. It's not working. It's uh, not going up. It, it doesn't fungus? have fungus. Is that the word? Well, uh, they're you know traditional company. They came out of the eye care equipment business, oh, and I now care. they uh, you know the, the stuff in your ophthalmologist's office. All that stuff is from Bausch & Laum. But then they of course got the tail wagging the dog with their consumer business. And then they've now poisoned some people's eyes. So the stock's down a lot. I think people are looking at it as a value. It's it's trading at just, you know, roughly eight times cash flow. It's a good long-term brand and all that. But I just my point here is just wait on this one. It's too early. There's terrible bad news that's going to come out on uh, how much it's going to cost them to handle all this. They haven't filed 10 Qs in a year due to other problems, accounting problems. So while I'm drawn to the brand myself and the cash flow multiple, I think it's early. We're going to get another chance on that one. Then I came to... Uh, so Page. it could be a short if you're aggressive. I'm not. I don't. I, I wouldn't short it. It could go up, but I just. Well. I, I'm not. A, I don't short. Stuff. Okay. But uh, anyway, Beckman Coulter, page 191. Uh, these guys. It's a very interesting company. Um, first of all, it's not too expensive. It's a seven percent premium to the S&P 500. They make uh, clinical diagnostics. Uh, they do uh, biomedical research, and they sell things like centrifuges. Uh, Chroma, chromat, what, chromatographs, what? I don't even know what that <laughs> Easy is, for you spectrometers, to nuclear counters, and, you know, it's a bunch of stuff that's uh, testing for different diseases and uh, reagents and things like that. They've traditionally had a pretty good growth rate, and right now they're... Uh, their stock's under pressure due to some uh, uh, questions of accounting. A whistleblower inside the company is questioning their accounting. And what's at uh, issue is $25 million of inventory, and whether it was accounted for properly, can't help but notice there's 61 million shares. So, I mean, this is less than 50 cents per share is at issue, and the stock is probably down here. It looks like about 10 or 15 bucks on this thing. Um, so... You know, a few guys will get fired. There'll be a fine. Uh, the inventory wasn't real or it was. I don't even think it matters. Their core business is fine. Their returns are, uh, you know, in the in the uh, returns on capital in the low teens, return on equity in the mid to upper teens. Uh, margins have stayed pretty healthy. The balance sheet is, is decent. Uh, 
Uh, the good, there's good comps coming up. I just think the market's been fooled by something here in terms of uh, something that's not an annuity and is going to go away. It's a good company, uh, and I'd, uh, I'd wait in here, Beckman Coulter, BEC. Now, I come to one called uh, Cardinal Health, which is the largest uh, distributor of medical uh, products, and mainly pharmaceuticals is their big business. This has been a darling... No, no, no. Bird seed or even any no, connection to the actual. No, they, they their they logo Saint, is a bird. Are they in St. Louis? They are not. They are in uh, Ohio, in uh, Dublin, Dublin Ohio, Ohio. It says here, but I think that's a suburb of uh, Columbus, Ohio. I see. And you know they've been the big guy on the street in this area for many years. They started out Religious as a theme. food wholesaler. A guy named Bob Walter did a wonderful job here. They grew very predictably forever. They ran into some problems in 04, uh, some accounting issues that were overblown. Uh, the industry pricing for wholesale pharmaceutical distributors is changing. It used to be sort of a, a confusing system of the drug company paying the hospital and then sales allowances coming back to the distributor. It was an odd system that's now coming undone, and they're migrating to a just simple fee-for-service platform. Cardinal's a great company. Uh, they touch everyone in healthcare. They not only do distribution, but they have medical products. They have uh, some testing. They do some packaging. They're tied in with the demographics here of unit growth, and yet they're not. You don't have to make a bet on some product that might not work out. They touch everything. Uh, cash flow here is 450 a share, estimated for 07. It's never super cheap, but this is about as cheap as it gets, and is a good core holding in healthcare. Not super cheap, I have to reiterate, but it's as cheap as it gets, and it's best of class. Uh, finally, I want to talk a minute about something I uh, really came upon here, and it makes a lot of sense. Owens and Minor, OMI, uh, ticker OMI, I just said it, excuse me, everybody. The timeliness is four here, but I think, again, value It's line interesting how everybody's name is still on the company. Bausch and Lomb, Owens and Minor, uh, Beckman, Coulter, whoever those people are. That's the only are. way you can get these things sold. It's no, like, uh, I'm, we're not for sale. We'll keep your name on it. Whatever well, happened to okay. healthcare enterprises or uh, uh, medical technology? Well, you do have some companies like that. You've right. got uh, Community Healthcare. Oh, that's okay. United Healthcare. Right, United Healthcare. Yeah, their names aren't on it anymore. Yeah. Mr. Mm -hmm. United's name is, but well, healthcare yeah, is obviously the industry. I guess because those are consumer retail businesses, and these are institutional businesses. So. Well, or these are relationship-driven. Owens knew a bunch of guys. Miner knew a bunch of guys. I, you know, I don't know. But uh, page 231, we digress. Page 231, uh, Owens and Miner is, I think, among, well, I, I know they are among the largest medical products distributors. They distribute 150,000 brand-name medical and surgical supplies uh, from 41 warehouses to 4,000 customers, institutional customers. It's not just like the people in a small town. It's like hospitals, right? right. It's 4,000 <laughs> institutional customers. Now, they are right now selling at a 6% discount to the S&P 500. They've got a 2% yield. They sell at 11 times cash flow. And I think people should take note of something. Uh, we've talked about this. Hospitals, as a place you go and receive health care, are a little bit under siege because they're expensive, for one. Uh, and also, uh, they now are uh, harboring a lot of uh, germs and disease. I, I, I was going to say, and yeah. how about the fact yeah. that they like 
kill two out well, of a hundred people yeah, that walk through I'll, their I'll, doors. I'll, right, and, and, and it's getting worse. I mean, and it used to be that they would accidentally drop an instrument into somebody, well, but now yeah, they just no, they just poison you. I don't want to bash hospitals because uh, they're good, but you know, there's a lot of new procedures in hospitals. It's clearly very alarming. I think 20 years from now there'll be very few people going into hospitals of the type there are today because it's going to be a little frightening to go, and you'll go to a specialty location. <laughs> I, heard a, I heard a radio report the other day. They were reporting uh, with a, a, a lot of seriousness a. Uh, medical study that had come out that showed that people with unlimited uh, access to medicine tended to be healthier and uh, live longer than those who didn't have unlimited access to it. Well, again, you know, unlimited it access. seems to be how helpful. About, how about unlimited access to vacations? You know, why isn't that a right of I everybody? I just think or, the government ought to print more money and put a big check in the mail to uh, all of how us. How about unlimited access to, uh, you know, the car of your choice? I don't know, the, the idea that health care has special status among consumers, I think, is created by, uh, you know, the people who run health care. And if you make consumers, put consumers in charge with the ability to shop on quality and price, this will all take care of itself. Housing is 15% of GDP. Transportation is, I think, eight, 15 to 18 percent of GDP. Uh, so, you know, those things uh, aren't out of control, evidently. Everyone seems to have that in control. But Owens and Minor, to get back, we digress. Owens and Minor, uh, these guys are, you know, ba basically uh, growing at above average rates due to demographics. Uh, they're in an area where, as, as people move away from hospitals, they're still going to want all the stuff that helps to prolong their lives. So if the guys at Owens and Miners stop bringing a truck over to the hospital because uh, it's a bad place to go, they're going to bring it to Dr. Smith's house or wherever Dr. Smith is going to perform his uh, procedures. It might be a small, you know, specialty hospital. It might be your house. I or mean, it, maybe it would be the equivalent of an Amazon.com warehouse for the doctor version of Amazon.com. I, I, but I know that the stuff that saves your Cardinal lives... Cardinal Health, maybe? The stuff that saves your lives is in Owens and Miners and Cardinal Health's warehouse, and they choose to bring it to the hospital, and 10 years from now they may not. I would... Uh, I, I would, like these guys. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's 11 times uh, cash flow, as I said. The balance sheet's in great shape, 30% debt to cap, uh, nine times covered. They're, they're adding products. The, the stock has taken a little hit here, and it's a funny reason. Again, it's the street you know, creating an annuity out of something that's a one-time hit. Um, evidently, they bought... They, now, these guys own about three, three or four hundred different companies that make all the stuff that, you know... That, that, that they distribute everywhere. Oh, they don't. Okay. It's not just okay. one big company. Different towns have different. Yeah. And so they bought the, a diabetic company. They bought the a diabetic supply company uh, a year ago, and it, evidently people expected it to make money, but it it lost three hundred thousand dollars, and that was very disappointing. Well, they've got forty-one million shares, so I mean, I can't even. It's, it's, it rounds to zero in terms of the earnings impact. The market cap yeah, exceeds a billion. Yeah, but the market didn't care for that too much. They've also, uh, you know, refinanced some debt. They're going to pick up about ten cents a share on a debt refinancing, and evidently, when they did that, the street said they didn't increase guidance along with that, so that's somehow a negative that they must have some well, secret expense they they're not telling you. Right, so, you know, the reasons this thing are at a discount are silly, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, I think it's going to be at a premium. No, they yeah. don't know, and that's yeah. why they're listening to you tell them. Okay, so Owens and Miner, OMI, it's a definite. Buy it. Just buy it. Don't put all your money into it, of course. But if you have a 20-stock portfolio, 5% of your money should be in, in Owens and Miner. Now, Kinetic Concepts. Hey, you talked about this uh, 
Get out of concepts. Yeah, the last, last time. time around. I really mm -hmm. like this thing. I see value line has changed their wording. In the last value line on this, they talked about how Kinetic Concepts, KCI, page 221, uh, saves money for people because what they provide is wound care, and there's a lot of serious wounds that lead to a lot of hospital time and slow to get back to work. So it's expensive for society. they got to pay for you in the hospital, then they got to pay your disability while you're not at work. Or they have to pay to bury you after you've been well, in the I, I'm sorry. I, didn't mean to yeah, I don't know if this again. is a killer's disease, <laughs> the, uh, but it can be. And so... Uh, you know, they can save money by getting people out of the hospital faster, back to work faster, et cetera. The street doesn't like this right now for two reasons. One, there's a competitor that's, uh, you know, they're in court together battling the patent. The street doesn't like that. And also, there's going to be competitive bidding from Medicare, and, you know, heaven forbid, this might be a category that has competitive bidding. Now, right now, they've got uh, an operating margin of 30%. Their gross margins, I think, are over 50. So even with competitive bidding, you know, Medtronic, which is one of the best companies on the planet, has a 40% operating margin. That No one seems to be concerned about that. Uh, I think Zimmer Holdings, which makes fabulous knees and hips and all that, they have a 40% operating margin. You can do it, ladies and gentlemen, and there's four or five orthopedic companies. So you can earn a good margin in competitive bidding, uh, and that's by having a product that saves time and money, and they do. So it's at a big discount. It's 10 times cash flow. We've talked about it before. You could go on the website, see when we talked about it. I think I talked more about it last so time. So it's sort of gone sideways, I yeah, guess. Yeah, you haven't missed anything. The lawsuit is right now. In a month from now, there's going to be a lot more information. There was a similar lawsuit in Europe, and it was settled in advance of the trial, and the two adversaries decided to join up, sell each other's product, and guess what? No price competition because they're selling the same product, and maybe that's how this one's going to go. So that's all I have this week. Uh, this has been Val Hughes. I want to uh, thank you for listening. Let's have a beverage break yep, before we get we to uh, Vern. Clink. Okay. And now, uh, Vern Value. Vern. Refreshing. Take refreshing. Just like your comments were refreshing. Thank you. Value. Thank you very much. Um, you can rewind if you want to listen I'm, again. I'm going to go for a drive now. I'm going to go uh, for a drive in the uh, in the land of five times cash flow multiples. Ah, uh, that must be the auto line, industry. Value line calls it the auto and truck industry. Actually, I'm not real interested in the ones that commonly trade it five times because they're not going to trade it anything different than five times. So, and I just can't get sucked into Ford Motor and uh, General Motors. Give me a break. So we're going to look at some higher quality there. But first, I want to revisit something that we talked about last time that I think is also sideways. I, you know, it worked for a while and then uh, ran into a couple analyst downgrades. That's Goodyear Tire. Symbols GT, page 118, $2.3 billion uh, market cap for the world's largest tire manufacturer. Um, seems kind of cheap for the number one player on a global basis. It's a dollar basis, a tire or something it? like that. I, <laughs> I doubt it. Um, stock's around 13. It's about half of a market multiple um, of uh, at 9 right now. Um, if I use um, Value Line's cash flow per share... I mean, good Lord, it's like two or three times cash flow. Uh, even net of CapEx, I've got about $2 of free cash flow, so that would put the stock at like six to seven times. Um, looks like results are bottoming out here. Uh, Value Line Analyst talks about the company continuing to perform relatively well. I think that there's been some estimate cuts, uh, which at you know earnings expected at a buck and a half. You know, it doesn't take much to get people concerned. Um, but... You know, I can't I can't uh, get over the fact that 
they've got a cost savings program underway that they are targeting a billion dollars in gross savings from by 2008. Folks, that's $6 a share. Uh, the stock's 13. Uh, you know, unless they're going to give a lot of that away. Now, there are competitive issues in the tire industry, but, uh, uh, you know, it's not exactly like business is booming. They're performing pretty well. Operating margins, 9%. I think speak to execution when you got rubber and uh, energy costs running well, wild. you got a lot of debt here. There's a lot of leverage. I mean, enterprise value is three times equity market value. Yeah, here. I understood. So it's 10, what is it, seven times uh, enterprise value? According like? to this, my uh, I think I've got some unusual... Uh, uh, unusual structured securities, maybe in my um, in my capital structure, because my my long-term interest bill looks pretty moderate. So, assuming Value Line's got this right, I mean there may be some interesting converts in there or something. I, I yeah. calculate about a billion and a half of EBITDA, um, according to Value Line, 200 million of long-term interest expense. There is some significant short-term debt. Almost 800 million, but there's a billion eight of cash. So I don't. The financial risk I think looks manageable, and I think the uh, management at Goodyear thinks so as well. They uh, in March, according to their little table, the Insider Decisions table, they caught a buyer. Uh, in including and since December, there have been 14 options exercises registered without a single sale. That's interesting. Um, so I think there's a turnaround going on here. You know, is there leverage here? Well, revenue is about 20 billion. Equity market cap's about two. Yeah. So you know, it's, it's not a typo, folks. Um, this looks very interesting to us. Maybe you got to yeah. be a little patient. Maybe yeah. the consumer is an issue. But when this gets when this gets well, it'll get well in a hurry. You know, when we talk about highly leveraged, more risky stories, you have to recognize that. You know, no pain, no gain. Well, they're, they're, they are growing. Their sales are going up. It's not like they're uh, losing market share. They well, must they, be they're doing. I think market. they're doing very well in some of their non-consumer businesses, industrial, off-highway, that kind of thing. Uh, we looked at Cooper Tire just like we did last time. You know, there's no free cash flow here, a nearly 40 PE multiple. Um, there's not strong evidence of a significant turnaround. No brands here. They're the eighth largest tire maker in the world, fourth in North America. Well, they have the Cooper brand. Give me a break. I, you know, <laughs> I'm familiar with the Mini Cooper. Well, do they have that? Um, so I, you know, for the uh, for the right institutional uh, account, I'd be recommending Long Goodyear Short Cooper, but. Uh, that's anyway tires. Don't want to spend too much time no, there. That's I'm, really that's, that's as old economy as you can get. Um, I wanted to look at trucks. Let's not because, reinvent the uh, wheel now, shall we? You know we've been we've been looking at this space because of one of the names here, uh, uh, Navistar, the one we're going to talk about first. Uh, but I, as I discovered how you know I went looking for how Value Line was handling some interesting upcoming industry dynamics, and there's a little confusion apparently within Value Line about what's really going to happen in the uh, commercial truck industry. Navistar International, for those of you who may not know them, is the uh, holding company for the old International Truck and Bus uh, Truck and Engine, I'm sorry, brand. Um, they are um, in in. Well, truck classes in truck, yeah, right. That's the the original parent, right. and all of the uh, construction equipment, well, farm uh, equipment, all that stuff's gone. The Reaper, he invented it, right? Isn't the guy a Cyrus? Uh, I don't know. I know you. I know you're McCormick not supposed to fear the Reaper, but no, the guy who invented the uh, Cyrus McCormick Mc, invented the that's uh, international automated harvester. threshing machine, and that or was something the, like that was the origin of international harvesting. Uh, fascinating. Fascinating, but there's no harvesting going on now. It's strictly <laughs> propulsion. Maybe we should all get that. It's the International Propulsion Company. <laughs> oh. 
Actually, I think the operating company is the International Truck and Engine Company. Who's making the Reapers now? In, in any event, uh, 1.8 billion market cap, symbol NAV. It's on page 108. Stock down. Stock's down big. Stock's around 25. Um, the, it traded uh, north of 44 last year at one point. It's been 30 this year. Uh, the uh, the the cyclical peak, I guess, in the stock two years ago at 53. So we're down a lot. Um, the, the problem here is twofold. One, it's a uh, competitively weaker player in the industry uh, and has some internal accounting issues. They haven't filed a 10K for uh, 2005, and I'm going to come back to that in a second. There's been some hilarious developments in, in the month of May here. Um, it's a good month for them, <laughs> a hilarious development. They, they, uh, they have a better than 28% share uh, in uh, class six through eight trucks in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, so major player here. They are, in contrast to the name International, yeah. they, uh, they're not an international <laughs> company. I mean, it's all uh, almost all here. I guess unless Canada makes you international. Maybe that's why they changed the name originally. Um, perhaps. Uh, and they also make engines for Ford, particularly Ford pickup trucks. They're known for that, the diesels for Ford. Um, in any event, uh, you know, good, good brands and good products, uh, but kind of a small player uh, arguably undercapitalized, right? Now, the, the value line shows a lot of debt in terms of the capitalization ratios, but they have a finance sub. So the, the debt, the, the true long-term debt associated with the, uh, the manufacturing assets is a lot lower. I don't think it's over-leveraged. They've been benefiting from a very strong cycle. Sales are up a ton. According to Value Line's projections for 06, north of $10 in cash flow per share with a $25 stock, $5 or five and a half bucks of uh, earnings per share, $25 stock. Those are nice ratios. Um, you know, it, it, so what? I, I'm two times peak cash flow per share. I'd venture maybe five or six times trough. Um, you know, it's not a terrible company. They've got some decent return on capital. Operating margins um, in a decent environment look like they're sustainable, like in an 8 Do to 10% range. Do they want that range. much debt, or how are they going to get out of them? I mean, that's a lot of debt. Well, a lot of it is just financing trucks, and it's just constantly turning over. So it's, it's just uh, part of the business. It's just part of the business. Provide. Yeah, and there's no very little risk. And if there is some risk, they can repossess the truck, and they have a distribution network to then to monetize the truck. the truck. So it, it very, you know, they've been doing it for decades. They know the, they know their customers. They know what to look for. How to. So if you take that out, credit what's the balance sheet look like? I don't. They don't give oh, they you don't that give value it. line, unfortunately. Ah. So I, I'm just telling you, I've looked at this. I, there hasn't been a lot of insider issue buying or selling. So. Um, it, you know, maybe management's waiting for a bottom to emerge. I don't know, but um, uh, they account the developments that have been so hilarious this week or this month. Back on May, excuse me, back on May 10th, the Navistar announced that they expected to beat analyst consensus for the October fiscal year. Uh, they did that because at the time they needed to announce that they had no idea when they would file their fiscal 2005 10K and that KPMG was going to be their new auditor. And there's a whole saga here, a long-term saga, about who is ultimately going to be their, uh, who's going to audit the numbers. And they've got a restatement going on back to like the year 2000. Oh, um, but things are a little better than that. So, well, there have, been, there have been some investigations. Independent law firm, I guess, used by the audit committee, um, came out with an announcement today, no evidence of fraud or intentional misconduct. Uh, they've hired some external... Uh, employees to help with trying to get all these restatements done. We've seen this in some other companies. It turns out to be largely just a lot of uh, 
um, nonsense about getting the debits and credits right in order to match up with what Sarbox wants to see in terms of Plus internal leasing controls. Leasing has inherently got a lot Just of accounting. Usually, issues. there are no cash implications of anything that's going on like this. They're doing a conference call, I guess, next week to talk about this. At the same time, they raise their forecast for industry volume. Uh, but they, the thing that was great about it is in the first paragraph, it says that. Uh, Navistar International, nation's largest combined commercial truck and mid-range diesel engine producer, said today that it's developed an aggressive plan, you like that, aggressive, <laughs> right there, to file its fiscal 2006 Form 10-K on time by the middle of January 2007. That's the announcement today, folks, out of Navistar. They want oh. you to know that they have an aggressive plan in place to be caught up with the, their public filings. By uh, eight months from eight now. Eight months from Good now. job, Navistar. <laughs> Way to go. I think there's probably a big bonus coming for uh, for uh, you know for the CEO here. Why are we talking about this I don't like, know, calamity exactly. or what sounds like a train wreck? Well, the stock's the down stock a lot. Good? That's the stock's good. down a lot. And you know why the stock's down a lot? The real reason it's down a lot is we're getting ready to head into a vicious short-term down cycle in the uh, North American, U.S. in particular, um, truck industry because of some diesel engine emission standards oh, yeah. that are taking effect at the beginning of the year. And because of these changes, uh, which in true government fashion were, uh, were mandated without any consideration of the commercial impact, uh, they've raised the price of trucks significantly besides adding another uh, element of uh, complexity to an already complex system, which, you know, for the average trucker, he's going to tell you, I'm going to have more maintenance problems until it's broken in and the, the technology matures. Uh, prices up a lot. So everybody's stampeding to buy a truck this year. Don't buy any next year, maybe the year after. Now, why do I say short or temporary? Well, there's an even worse emission standard change taking effect at the beginning of 2010. And there's been huge industry volume in the last couple of years in anticipation of this and because of a good economy. And those trucks are going to be coming due for trade-in, oh, around 2009, 2010. About the same time you're going to want to avoid buying a truck in 2010 and only buy them in 2009. So um, the general perception or expectation on the street is after a nasty correction in 07, the market will start growing again. Unfortunately, the uh, value line analysts, and that's why we, you know, we're drawn to this as you know, maybe something to talk about, um, says that they think demand for Navistar's medium and heavy duty trucks will continue to grow in the long run, and there's no real indication here at all that you face any short-term risk. And they're actually forecasting 07 earnings and cash flow up. Now, this is the uh, the only stock I see from this analyst. Uh, you know, the names are on all the reports. Jason Smith apparently covers the other truck makers. He's not quite as far off the mark, but uh, we're going to help you out here in a minute. I've given you the bare bones of the argument. Basically, this is a, this is a uh, very cheap stock with uh, some risk associated with it. Uh, what makes us interested is news report within the last week, I think, that a major German-based truck maker, a company called MAN, M-A-N, um, which has the same uh, limitation competitively that Navistar has. They have all their business essentially in one market, Europe in MAN's case, you know, North America in Navistar's case, um, th that they might be interested in expanding their recently in, uh, launched and announced initiatives to develop a heavy-duty engine with Navistar. Um, which a lot of people took as a indicator that man might be interested in buying Navistar. Well, lo and behold, within the last week or 10 days, the uh, man chairman acknowledged publicly that indeed they were considering taking a stake in the company. I think the stock was up like 15% on that news. 
I would suggest to you that this is exactly the kind of time, cyclically, that if you are going to be a buyer of the company or a piece of the company, as man uh, indicates they, they're interested in, now would be the time to do it with the stock down a lot. So we like, uh, we like Navistar a lot. We think there's uh, a takeout possibility here. Uh, if not that, um, you know, the valuation certainly protects you. Uh, we also looked at PACAR, which is worlds away from Navistar. Uh, they have a $12.5 billion market cap. Uh, even though their sales level is about half as big as Navistar's on a per share basis. They also have a finance sub, yet they have very little financial leverage. Their returns are consistently high, best in the industry really. Return on capital right now running north of 25%. But if you look at operating margin history, uh, ever since 96, the way value line shows it, um, it's you know a 15 percent on average. The best, they make the best trucks, isn't that right? Well, they make uh, in particular they make Kenworths, which are sort of known as the Cadillacs yeah. of the over-the-road truck industry. But I've they heard also have they have the Peterbilt brand. They have tremendous distribution. By the way, that's one of the keys of the uh, the value of the Navistar story is a terrific distribution network in North America. Um, so does Packard, but Packard also has distribution in Europe where they have um, two nameplates, and particularly DAF, DAF, a former uh, Dutch-owned truck maker, which is taking share on a step-by-step -step consistent basis, just like Packard has been doing really ever since the inception of the company in North America. They've also entered the medium-duty truck market, and they're taking their share there as well as they leverage um, they leverage the distribution network. They invest heavily in technology, employees. I mean, top drawer company. Um, but I got to pay. Oh, I got to pay nine times earnings. Uh, the the, the difference much? here at Packard is that the stock has held up really well despite the the knowledge that we face a down market coming right at us. Stocks around $75 has peaked around 81 each of the last three this year and the last two years. So it's not down a lot. But Jason Smith, at least, has the directional right on cash flow and earnings per share, showing them down. Uh, he's got 860 for cash flow in uh, 07. I, you know, what if it's $6, just to get really negative? I'm still only talking about 12 times that number. So, you know, probably not bad in terms of value here. If you go back and you look at the way the stock traded through the last down cycle, the industry basically went sideways for three or four years. We're about a year and a half into a sideways move here. Um, I, I would tell you, you know the old, uh, you know, buy the uh, buy the rumor, uh, sell the news. Well, the rumor hasn't been bought at Packard yet. The stock hasn't discounted the downturn yet, um, and there isn't a uh, company that's going to come riding over the horizon to buy them. I mean, they're too uh, they're too profitable, and uh, so consequently, I can buy a decent yield. There is some history of trimming it in a downturn, but I can buy some pretty good yield. Uh, but I think there's probably some significant top. Um, I mean, stock price risk here. So, uh, PACAR, keep an eye on this one. I'd Would be you? very interested under $60. So, here. don't buy it. Do not buy this here. Uh, don't be tempted by the very half of a market multiple, high yield, uh, low Well, there's some bad news multiples. ahead, it sounds like, and right. that's going to scare people. And it shows you why Navistar is a much better idea. Then, Mary, I'm going to go back and uh, take a look at a couple, uh, you know, again, have and have not comparison. Uh, Oshkosh Truck and Federal Signal, two companies that make uh, vocational trucks, they call them, work trucks. Uh, they compete directly with each other in the fire truck business. Hmm. Uh, they're the two biggest players. Um, I don't think many of their other brands really compete with each other. Uh, they used to be competitors in garbage trucks, and that's uh, uh, a hilarious, <laughs> kind of a funny part of the story. Anyway, let's look at Oshkosh first. want to revisit this name because the stock's about 20% off its high from earlier this year. Part of this is... Uh, 
uh, weakness across the board for capital goods stocks. I mean, most stocks are down that uh, make big metal things. Yeah. Including uh, metal their itself. Highs. Yeah, including metal itself, and metal in a much bigger way than the uh, metal products. But um, aggravated here because there was some prospect that they might get into a bidding war over a publicly traded company, Stewart & Stevenson, that was uh, bought by uh, Armor Holdings. That deal got held up for a while. A little higher price got extracted from Armor. There were some lawsuits and whatnot. But uh, uh, at this point, that's all done, and uh, the stock has traded off a lot. There's uh, very little debt. In fact, they're in a net cash position. Um, open, no secret that they're looking for uh, businesses to acquire. Got a great chart longer term, and part of it's because they've been very shrewd buyers of businesses. That would tell you that the earnings and cash flow estimates are probably conservative. In other words, you'll probably see stronger numbers eventually, maybe with some more financial leverage. But when you have none right now, given given return on capital in a 15 now 20 percent range over a period of years you know you'd probably want to see them step up and do something Oshkosh truck is the leader not just in the fire and emergency uh, fire and uh, rescue vehicle industry but they're also a major player in garbage trucks um, and uh, concrete mixing trucks concrete mixer trucks where they have some proprietary technology now you don't see a balance sheet that good in the, uh, industrial the, goods the, the big business here though and the big driver of the story in the last two or three years has been Iraq their defense business is going crazy. They are the primary heavy vehicle supplier to the U.S. military. They just uh, uh, won a new contract with the Marine Corps in the last week. Value Line doesn't mention it here. It's uh, uh, a heavy vehicle program that I think is going to be worth uh, more than a half a billion in revenue over some period of time. Um, you know, again, the, the the Value Line problem with kind of getting the story right on the cycle here. Um, Jason uh, is speculates about. Um, uh, most of the recent sales in uh, their commercial businesses has been because of pre-buying again, because of this engine issue. There's no question that that has helped that business. Uh, but those businesses serve uh, construction, which is going crazy if you're not paying attention to what's going on in the U.S. economy. And they also have a garbage truck business that's been benefiting by the meltdown of a business at their competitor, Federal Signals. So um, looks like... Uh, you know, it's not terribly cheap. It's a market multiple uh, with a terrific record, um, but um, I, you can do a lot worse than this name. Um, worse probably would be Federal Signal. We talked about this very optimistically last time we looked at this sector. We still see big potential here. The stock's down pretty sharply after running up, um, and, and it's because they have continued to struggle to meet expectations really across the board. I mean, there's some significant execution questions here. Um, and they just recently had to announce they finally sold the garbage truck business, That uh, a deal that was agreed to by the predecessor of the current CEO. But uh, uh, this guy had to fix it, and he wasn't able to fix it. And a matter of fact, they, I think I read, if I got this right, I read that they sold it for like $10 million dollars. I don't know, remember what they paid. I have no idea, but when it was you have like this much 50, 100 million and got paid for this business like a couple years ago. And the current CEO has not, I mean, and they, as I read again, if I got this right, they, they weren't able to sell the plant. So they ended up stuck with a facility now that they have to sell as well. And there are going to be some costs. So it's not clear they're going to walk away with anything from this little misadventure. So um, I notice when I look at the management structure, there's a chairman and then there's a president and CEO. I, I'm going to guess that, uh, you know, given the series of disappointments here, that uh, the board might be getting a little impatient. So I'll watch the news at Federal Signal, but buy Oshkosh Truck. 
Um, so that's uh, my drive through the motor vehicle world, uh, where we like Terrific. Navistar International a lot. And for those who are a little more risk-taking, um, you definitely got to take a look at Goodyear Tire. And uh, I guess with that, shall we wrap it up? Let's do. This is Val Hughes. Uh, get it. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. That's and a, this is that's uh, a wrap. I'm Vern Value, and uh, we look forward to speaking with you again. <laughs>